Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. Are you ready now? Oh, I'm sure this is math. Tom. <laughs> Robert. Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. Well, that's done. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? So here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super Auto geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You don't even have Tesla. Yep. I remember that. You've got a Model X. seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you ready? Oh. You ready? Seven, four, let's go. Go, seven, four, let's go. Talking Tesla 74 is what he's uh, <laughs> talking about there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And it's President's Day, a day that I have come to love. Although not when these people are listening to this show. I thought about that this morning, wishing everybody a happy President's Day, but they're not going to get it today, so whatever. So this is all moot? Well, we're that that noise right there that you're hearing is Robert adjusting his moustache. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, – there should be a show about the the sounds behind the show. We have very sensitive you microphones. Know what I hate most, the worst podcasts of all. You know what they hate, do? Hate, Every time – hate, actual hate. Hate is a bad. They talk about the weather. And yet I still have to say I'm kind of done with the raining in California. I did not move Stop. from the barren wasteland of Australia. Stop it. Stop it. No. Do I will – no. Nobody, nobody who lives in this state – Golden and lovely as it is, gets to bitch and moan about the weather unless they happen to today and today only live in Oroville. Because those people are in, serious are in some trouble. <laughs> are they evacuating again? No, they're not evacuating again. Okay. Although I watched Fox last night yes. for whatever reason, yes. and they were doing a report from the base of the Oroville Dam. And for the first brilliant. five minutes, they said, of people have been under evacuation, and then they said, "Oh, but that evacuation was listed last Tuesday, <laughs> and people are back in their homes." But they've been warned. You know how this applies to Tesla and Tesla fans. No. All of this, all of this Go that on. we're talking about, weather is that we can expect more extreme swings in the weather, and when it gets rainy like it is now, even in Southern California, having an all-wheel drive car will be an important safety feature. <gasps> Get a D. Get a D That's is what he's trying to say. When I drove back to California in December when I was driving back from Colorado and there was torrential rain and there were cars sliding around and I felt the, the wheel kind of you know get a little bit too loose as I was going over water and planing, I'm telling you, I was wishing for a four-wheel drive car and I'm looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for dad jokes. It's a new section here that Robert's put together. Right? Let's do some dad jokes. When did this get added? I added this last <laughs> night at about 2 or 3 in the morning. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> well, no, but they're good. I, so uh, while this segment's happening, I'll be gone. <laughs> Tom, you can't leave again. <laughs> okay, give us some dad jokes because apparently you didn't know what a dad joke was. Well, I obviously uh, am, was told by my son. It was interesting because I mentioned to my son something about dad jokes. And he looked at me as if like I was from another planet. Like, what are you talking about? You don't know what dad jokes are? You make them all the time. So, did you hear about the kidnapping at the high school? What? What yeah. happened? Uh, he, he woke up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. On. Now, that is a classic dad joke. 
Uh, can we try one more? Sure. All right. Did you hear uh, about the guy who invented lifesavers? No. They say he made a mint. <laughs> the other dad joke that I'm famous for, not yeah. these, but the one I'm really famous for is when, you know, you have a kid, you want him to be kind of like swift and quick and you kind of take your finger and you, you point at their jacket. You say, what is this? Did you get a stain? And they look down and you pop them in the nose. Yeah. Yeah. I did that about 900 times until my son about disowned me. And so it turns out that Elon... No, no, you've got you've got to do a couple more before you explain this because right, this no, segment is so does good. He? He's got a couple right. of great ones. You know, Come on, hit us. I, I used to be addicted to soap, but now I'm clean. <laughs> it's so good. No one more, please, Daddy. <laughs> one more. Tom, do you know why Dracula has so few friends? Mm, Dracula friends. He, Dracula. Well, because he doesn't like to go out in the daytime. He's a pain in the neck. Oh, that's I would like to try hilarious. one thing before you explain why you're doing this stupid segment. Wait a minute. Are these jokes? Because I thought jokes were accompanied with humor. <laughs> uh, hey, Google. Yes. Tell me a dad joke. Oh. My sense of humor is still in alpha. Hopefully soon it will get beta. Okay, first off, how is <laughs> that's kind of a dad <laughs> joke. Oh, I was, I was about to talk shit about it and it came up with a joke. Yeah. Right <laughs> <in the middle. laughs> Why are you telling us these stupid dad jokes? (laughs) Well, so I got this tweet, this just out of the blue tweet from Elon, and I was expecting from Elon to you, you to you specifically. I follow Elon on Twitter. Okay, couple of our a couple of people do, like a couple million people. Yeah, and so in his, you know, talking about tunnels and the future and changing the world and space, and there was this this bit about you know I just uh, I actually I put it in here. This was his tweet. Apparently, comma, there is this thing called, quote, dad jokes, end quote, and I make them. And then people were giving him on Twitter various dad jokes, and he was like responding to them like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to have to try that. And I just thought this was a cute little uh, insight into the mind of another sort of geeky dad who, like me, didn't really realize that all these really uh, dull and... uh, (laughs) Not humorful, but slightly humorous. So jokes are dad jokes. So what you're saying is smart people, which apparently you're one of. Well, I don't know. You're from what sp- I hear. You're pretty smart. No, I mean I hear a lot well, of the things about yeah. being smart. <laughs> uh, don't know shit about like dad jokes and regular kind of being around people kind of situations <laughs> because they're just they spend their life being smart and in books and I. Know all of these jokes, and I'm an idiot. <laughs> Tom, you have a good dad, dad joke. What's your favorite dad joke? Uh, you know, the, they I sort of come up in context. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're really like contextual. Them. For yeah. me, I, my humor is really more off of the cuff, as it were. Yeah, there's nothing. I don't have a a whole stack of jokes. Maybe the reason I'm not so clued into this is that you know I like watching. You know, through the years, Eddie Murphy and lots of different comedians, but no one's ever stood up and said, you know, I'm going to do a bunch of dad jokes for you now because they'd probably get, you know, crap thrown yeah, at them of, on the stage. Yeah, because people are in the room, out of a job. you know, paying them to tell funny right. things. Funny things, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do the feel-good story of the week, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, because, you know, usually I start off with depressing things, but I'm turning over a new leaf. It's a new mill. This is from Tesla Rati. Is it a Nissan leaf? Uh, uh. Uh, that's funny. This is the story of a this is a story 
of a young German man named Manfred Kick. Wow, no one's getting who that Who was reference. living into... <laughs> <laughs> Bravo! <laughs> its 41-year-old German man was driving down the Autobahn, probably very fast, when he noticed that there was an Audi acting very irregularly, sort of smashing into the median strip and being very weird. So he took his Tesla. It was a S- Volkswagen, looks like but, an Audi. you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay, Volkswagen, it's all the same. Yeah, they look alike. <laughs> and he flies up next to this car and he looks over and he sees the guy in the car slumped over, sort uh-huh. of unconscious, and thought, uh, this is a problem. And he took his car, his Model S, and put it in front of that car and put on the brakes and slowed it down so that this guy could slow down, stopped both of the cars, jumped out, called 911. They took the guy away. Sounds like he had a stroke. But really did a lot of damage to his car in saving this guy. Very re- selfless of him. And the feel-good part of this story is not only that the Model S driver was a good guy, but Elon said, we're going to fix your car for free and for fast. For fast. <laughs> That's not a thing. And quickly, not for fast. For fast, I believe is what we said. <laughs> Which is a good thing because I hear in Germany where Mr. Manfred Kick lives, it takes a long time to get your car fixed. They don't have enough service centers. As opposed centers. to here where it's just like snappy, snap, speedy. <laughs> no, I think there it's really bad. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to have seen some dash cam footage on this. So that would have been I, cool. I was thinking about this and thinking about the Autobahn, and I'm sure there are long stretches of the Autobahn that's pretty straight. But how in the hell do you actually slump over in a car and not immediately just fly off the side of the road somewhere? Like, so... Was he on? He didn't have TACC, right? He didn't have lane abilities in his Volkswagen. I'm assuming. Right. So how did this happen? Always the doubter. No, I'm not doubting. I'm just curious. What do you mean? How did it happen? Okay, so like you're driving down the 101, right? And and all of a sudden you you have a stroke. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right. Here I am. And you're slumped over. Yep. We're not wishing anything. How long are you going to be going? Not. Oh, into like a railing. Well, it sounds to me like he was he was crashing into the middle railing that he was sort of spashing into the middle okay. railing. Like so, I haven't seen could... I haven't seen any additional footage. So he was already sort of in the protective it's, zone. Sounds like he was smashing over there, but at any point he could have flown back over into the autobahn at three hundred miles an hour and been hit by a truck. Second question: Was yeah. his cruise control on, which is why he was still accelerating? No, maybe his foot was in a planter position, was still hitting the accelerator. I mean, I'm not questioning it. I'm just a questionable, curious human being. So these things came to mind. So, although there was a feel-good story here about a guy who no, put no, his no, small no, no, ass no, no. don't and then don't, Elon, don't, you have to break it down. No, that's fine. That's fine. You can take a perfectly good story. And, uh, it's know, a perfectly whatever. good story, and I haven't no, ruined it wrong. at all. Fake. I've allowed fake. People, wrong. I've allowed. And did you hear what happened in Sweden did last I night? Did I call it Unbelievable. fake? <laughs> did, I, did I call it fake? I was just curious about what actually happened. So, like, let's say this happened in Moscow, for instance, yes. land of a thousand dash cams. We right. would have been able to see the whole situation. Now, that would have been amazing, right? Well, yeah, we but, should be able to access the video from the rearward-facing camera on the Tesla. Depending on if it had one. Did well, they all, all, of the, all of the S's have them. From the, uh, Even the From ones. day one, yeah. You might you only have seen some a, crumpled metal, but... What? You took a perfectly good story I did and effed it up. CC is in the house right now. Did I F that story up, CC? Am I Mr. <laughs> Negativity over yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, you are. Listen, Johnny Testosterone, let the estrogen speak. Let's go oh to my let's Lord. go to Elon. <laughs> this is going to be a rocking show. Oh, Wait, God, I have God, something God. else. I don't know if you guys heard this today. I got a tweet this morning from a friend of mine. 
We are recording this show in Los Angeles, correct? That is correct. Maybe some of the people don't know that, but we're in Los Angeles, a suburb of Los Angeles, and the, but the, Los Angeles nonetheless. The Angeles that is lost. No, yes. No, yes. no, yes. no, yes. no, both of you know. I'm going to get Cece up here on a microphone to replace one of you. And we're number one today. What? Not number one in the U.S. What? Number one in the world. What? And what? What could you guess? What we're number one in? We're number one in. Did they create a new category on Apple iTunes for stupid, silly podcasts? Mm-hmm. We're definitely number one in that. Yeah, okay. that's uh, not it though. We're number one in pollution. I don't think that's correct. Okay, I think that might Methane be Mexico production. City or Beijing potentially. Okay. We. Los Angeles. Oh, Los Angeles. Not talking Tesla. See, I I'm... said we're recording this in Los Angeles. Go oh, now I've got the connection. My coffee. We have on. the worst traffic in the world. We're Over a thousand and sixty-four cities surveyed. Impossible. So impressive. Studied by transportation analytics firm Inrix. The average dri- driver in Los Angeles wasted how many hours? Driving in gridlock. Any guesses? All of them. <laughs> That's a lot of them. <laughs> Thank you. Like per week, per year, mm-hmm. per lifetime. Let's call it a year. Oh. Because that's what they did. It's a year. I don't know. An hour a day. So that's uh, 3,600 hours. That's 3,000. <laughs> okay. Really? Right. And Robert's no, now the 10 hours one. a day. <laughs> People sit in traffic for 10 400 hours a day. 400 hours a day. 400 hours a day. A day. A year. <laughs> uh, for a year. Like, what is wrong with him? I forgot to end this segment. Tell us the Hours 104 hours sitting in gridlock so, and lost $2,408 in squandered fuel and productivity in the United States last year. This. Congestion cost motorists $300 billion in wasted time and fuel. And now Robert says, What does he say out loud? I don't know about this. No, what I'm saying is that Inrix is an app that you can use on your phone. People who drive around in Thailand, right? In other countries where I have experienced traffic like Mexico City, that is so unbelievably bad. At the time I was there, it made any traffic in the United States look like child's play. So their their sample is biased. It's biased to a place where they have a lot of people running their app and in which there is actually cell connection for them to get the data from their app. So I can tell you, man... Bangkok, Thailand, I've got a friend who was there like two years ago. They were trying to get to the airport. They said they were going to leave early. It was on like a Friday. They sat within a mile radius of their hotel for four hours and got nowhere. They ended up walking back to their hotel and rescheduling their flight. I still say we're number one, Tom. We're number one. And it said, be, and, and Bob Pichu, senior economist at Inrix, I don't know how he lives in my app. How does he get a <laughs> He's a senior, wow. economist. senior economist. He says gas prices haven't increased that much over the last year or two. That's correct. And economic growth and productivity has been strong in cities like San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York. These factors, combined with an already strained road network, leads to increased congestion. I'm just saying. Um, We're number one. You know what we should do? We should dig some dig tunnels. Tunnels. Yeah, tunnels. Yeah, tunnels. Let's, let's dig tunnels. That's, uh, that's great. Um, great segment there. It's depressing. Hey, Talking Tesla Nation. Look, uh, things went badly here because the title of this article from USA Today was Worst Traffic in the World, but it turns out they were actually just talking about the United States. Here's Tom's response to their error. USA Today making me look bad on national show podcast thing. Whatever, man. 
Stupid headline. Stupid story. Our traffic sucks. I don't care about Thailand. I've never been there. Forget it. Let's and talk that's about it. And, and I will just add one thing. There's always traffic in Los Angeles. It's not just commuting hours. For it's the most part, the it's now. almost all the time, except for early Sunday morning. So I reiterate, we're number one. I got to tell sucks. you the truth. I've lived here for 25 years, and you've watched it get worse. And these predictions of the traffic is going and to get worse. worse, and it's worse. And, and it's worse. and at some point, you just have to work at home like I do. I just gave up, and now I'd never leave the house. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about Elon in Dubai, the World Government Summit. Please summarize somebody who actually watched it because I didn't get to it in time. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed this. It was actually great. Uh, he was interviewed by this guy by the name of Al Gerwai. And uh, this fellow was very nice, very congenial, not quite as prepared maybe as you should be when you interview Elon Musk. But basically, uh, Elon, the, the, the salient points were that in his vision of the future, in 10 years, all cars being produced will be autonomous vehicles. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to be in an autonomous vehicle. It's just that if you look at how many cars there are and what the manufacturing rate of cars are and what the typical lifespan around 20 years of cars and or other vehicles that it's going to take that long to transition. But the point that he made was that this is going to displace a huge amount of jobs. 12 to 15 percent of the people who work in the world work in transportation and like driving buses and trucks and taxis and the people who actually service cars, which if you have an EV future are going to go way, way down. Uh, He talked about colonizing the moons of Jupiter within the next 50 years. So that's kind of a long-term look. He already expects by then we'll be all settled on Mars, not necessarily terraformed Mars, but in tunnels, living, producing, and, uh, and thriving on Mars. Terraformed Mars? Yeah, that's the plan. Terraform, that's when you turn it into Earth-like. That's going to take like a Thanks. thousand years. And yeah. actually, if you want to read a good book series about this, just as an aside, yeah, Red f- Mars, Green Mars, Blue Mars by Kim Stanley Robinson. Fantastic series. Go on. I read that once. but I, I wrote that down once before when you said that. And so good. I have not gotten to it. Continue on. And so uh, he was concerned that uh, because of such displacement of workers and with the continued rollout of robotic autonomy, that so much of the world's goods will be created by robots, that there will be very few humans actually working in factories and even maybe even in the service sector, taking this a step further, that there's going to be a huge amount of unemployment or displaced workers. And how are those people going to survive? His uh, idea is a universal basic income. And I know, Tom, you have a problem with that, but he he was scratching this out as— I have a problem with it. Well, I don't also, he... economists might have a problem with it. <laughs> I mean, let's just throw that out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like so many people who are visioning the future have had such a difficult time envisioning real change. So I say take it with a grain of salt. I saw Wally. Wally. I saw Wally too, yeah. and I want that magic carpet that flies me around and I'm 800 pounds because I don't do you anything. Don't. Anyway. You don't. You yeah, don't want any want of that. So this idea of universal basic income is he's doubling down on this. He's talked about yeah. this a number of times. He's obviously thinking about it a lot. He's talking with his smart economist friends. And this is that point where you really don't have to do anything. So people are going to have to have some sort of baseline salary. I don't know how economics works. I don't know what that world looks like where everything is done by somebody else. It couldn't. 
hell? Why? It's socialism, why basically. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's like massive, perfect socialism is how that would have to work. It's no one's doing anything for the most part. The people, the 10 or 20 percent of people who still have to work are not going to look kindly on the rest of us who are sitting around on our floaty carpets eating. Well, maybe they get paid sodas. more and they get a bigger floaty carpet. That's only one vision. I mean, if you think across the future, the things that robotics will probably tackle towards the end are things like artism, artisan, like being an artist, that sort of function of the human mind of social interaction. You know, a robot doesn't do so well. I don't know if you've been on a phone tree lately, but <laughs> that's probably not going to be as perfected. But he talks about, you know, people then having a different focus in their life, a focus on themselves, a focus on, you know, creating things about interacting with one another. When you can go to a device like in Star Trek and order up whatever food you want and it's created for you we, without a person. We barely interact with each other these days. Well, barely. Gonna, uh, you know, these Teenagers. are challenges. He talks about this other challenge of uh, the usefulness problem. So when so many people, I don't know about those in the room, but I'm pretty tied to my work. And if somebody came to me and said tomorrow, ah, you're no longer needed. We don't need you as an emergency physician. I'd be like, wow, what am I going to do with all my time? Spend oh, all kinds wait. of time on this show. I'll, be, what you would I'll be slaving myself on talking Tesla daily. And so, you know, having a purpose in life is very much tied to your job. So how are we going to deal with this usefulness problem when so many people are going to be displaced from their jobs by AI and robotics? Yes. I've got a question. Yes, sir. So I can see, I can envision a future where the robots do everything and AI does everything and we sit around and we make art. I can see that Wally sort of vision. All six billion of us? I can see that. But what I can't see is the transition to getting there because right. on the way to that, there is a huge amount of unemployment and we're still not at this perfect time. So getting there to me seems like the most uh, incredible disruption of uh, the fabric of society, that there will be more terrorism, um, more uh, sort of nationalism, more wars, disaster as we get there. But, and we're, there, we're getting close to this beginning. But a lot of that is tied to poverty, right, or and uselessness on some levels, right? People not having jobs, not having a place to go, which Robert said. If there's this universal basic income, I mean, we're not going to solve this well at all. There's no way, if this is the future, that we're going to transition to it well. Let's say 10 years from now, 20% of people are out of a job. 20% of people out of a job. In America right now, we're ticked off when there's 5% of people out of a job and we don't really want to support those five people. If 20% of people are out of work and taxes have to go up to pay for those people who can't work because there's no jobs for them, this is going to create huge social problems. So we're going to be pissed. So just thinking about a story we did, I think, in the last month. <laughs> what does this have to do with Tesla? We're going to get back to Tesla in just a second. <laughs> there was a, a, a fellow who created a program to fight parking tickets in London. I think it was in a, maybe in New York as well. He's a lawyer, I believe. Anyway, this was a, a story we did about how AI could replace lawyers. It could. This program can create an argument. It can tell you ahead of time after answering a bunch of questions whether or not fighting your ticket, I think it was only parking tickets, you had a chance of winning. And this thing won like two-thirds of the time helping people to fight tickets. It's online. I don't think you pay for it. It's just somebody's simple creation. So in the future, what happens when people of all strata are out of a job, not just the unfortunate 
family who's mined coal for the last four generations or the family who worked in, you know, Ohio in a big mill where they're doing metal forming and no longer do they have a job because it goes to China. What about when it's high level people? What if it's when it's lawyers, when it's other people who have engineers, people who do stuff on computers that now the computer can do it, you know, like a million times faster. Depends on how much debt those when people have. Everybody, when everybody is affected by this, yeah. and it's not so lopsided mm-hmm. against people who did less, how would I say, uh, the strata of their work that didn't require as much training and as much investment. You know, when, when this affects a lot more people, then it comes down to, like, everybody affected we're more willing to work uh, on a solution. But if everybody had a basic income that the gut, that came from the wealth of the or the world or the nation that they lived in, then we might be able to take this a little better. So getting there is going to be a problem. We need to keep moving along here. Let's talk about tunnels. Tunnels. Because Elon's talking about stuff that I don't understand. Tunnels. Stuff is boring. Well, tunnels. you know, thinking about the Inrix story you just gave us, Tom. <laughs> about people sitting and wasting their time in traffic, I guess if we didn't have to drive and we could be in our autonomous Tesla, maybe we could be thinking about a solution to all this godforsaken traffic. And so Elon's thinking about traffic. He says, look, we've solved the congestion problem in large urban areas. We just build up. We've got a three-dimensional way of fixing congestion. And that solved the congestion problem? Mm, well, it, it brings more people together. We're able to do more work in a coordinated fashion. But the problem is when people want to get to those three-dimensional buildings, when people want to get out of those three-dimensional buildings for lunch or for the end of the day, we have a problem because they go to a two-dimensional almost two-dimensional world. If you go to New York, okay, you have subways underneath, but then you have streets that are just completely jam-packed. So why don't we just go down? That's a perfect example of, of what? Where it didn't really work out. No, but that's... His, no, his, he's his, talking his, about... His... We can build down. We can build tunnels, one layer under another, under another, under right. another, more so than we can build buildings tall. We could have a 100 tunnels crisscrossing beneath your feet. Because all we're doing is digging through earth. And if you start 50 feet down, you'll avoid the water mains and the sewer lines and every and the gas lines. And so basically you have an elevator that can take you up to the 70th floor of a building. And you have an elevator that can take you to the negative 70th floor for the tube you need to get to your home area. And so he's talking about building a lot of tunnels in all different directions to get people moving a lot more efficiently than we do right now on the street. And he said one of those tunnels would be a hyperloop. If this uh, this vision, let's say you could do this faster, and you're going to talk about that in a second, and you could do it safely, um, you could basically live in Los Angeles and go down to the 70th floor, pick up the hyperloop. The negative zoom, 70th floor. Negative 70th yeah. floor, sorry, and go all the way across to New York. Um, and work for the day because you're going to be going at a thousand miles an hour or more and uh, do your work and then you could come back and live in Los Angeles. Well, I think when they talked about the Hyperloop, it had sort of a limitation. I think the sweet spot was somewhere in the four to 700 mile range. So you could definitely go to Las Vegas for half your day and come back and then you could go up to- why? I don't know. <laughs> Why would you want to go to Vegas for half a day? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because you're in the gambling business. <laughs> so you know. I like this this idea 
So now give us some numbers. How are you possibly going to do this? How fast? Because boring machines right now, we're told, do about 300 feet per day. That's going to take a lot of time to put in thousands and thousands of miles of holes. So while Elon's been sitting on the freeway for these thousands of hours, he's figured out that you could take the boring machines and increase their speed to something like a mile a day and not 300 yards a day or 300 feet a day. And it turns out in China, there was a lot of boring going on. They did a lot of subway expansion and now there's a glut, a surplus of these boring machines and he's buying some. And this is part of the reasons why he started to play around digging across the street from SpaceX. So I, I would not bet against Elon. I was going to say, this would seem crazy, far-fetched, futuristic madness, but I just saw a guy land the rocket again on was the weekend. that freaking <laughs> beautiful? Yeah, that was nice. Uh this is the guy that There's could do this. There's a lot more work besides actually digging the hole to making these tunnels habitable, no? Uh, there's a, probably a little mm -hmm. bit of uh, stuff, unless you're a mole. The shoring up. There probably should be some oxygen down there. There should be some ventilation. The there pouring should be some of the concrete. Where's Gotta the... get the water out. Yeah, where's the economics? Uh, I don't exit, know. I haven't seen that. Exit plan and exit pathway. And I'm afraid. You know, I'm the kind of person I'm going to be down in that hole and I'm going to be so afraid that there's going to be an earthquake and I'm going to be cut off. And I saw the movie, I think it was, was it Daylight? No, with Sylvester Stallone. Was Not every place has earthquakes, though. Yeah, how I'm about scared. Escape from New York? See how hard it was to get around without the tubes? I'm scared. Anyway, yeah. interesting. Um, we've spent way too much time <laughs> on this. Can we continue time. on? Let's. I mean, so I he have says some he can do notes, it. but I'm going to leave them. Yeah, he says he can do it. He says he can do it fast. And in at SpaceX, he said this hole that you've seen is basically a ramp for them to do testing. And the reason they're doing it there is because they already have the permits so they can dig a hole, they can make a ramp, and they can start playing. And as you said, most of the infrastructure is in that first 50 feet because that's what I've been worried about. You wait till they turn on the boring machine and go through a gas main. That's going to be fun. But if you go straight down... 50 feet, then there's basically nothing except, I don't know, Aquifers. monsters. Have you seen you know, tremors? There's monsters down there. So tremors would watch out for those. <laughs> and so where would be the best place to pitch a plan like this? In a country that has like an almost endless amount of cash and wants to be, quote, the first with the tallest building and the first man-made island. Yeah, but I don't know how much congestion they have in UAE. They don't give a shit about congestion. They want to go fast. That's why, you know, the first thing that happened after he opened the Tesla store in UAE is the UAE taxi company bought 200 Teslas. UAE Boom. is thinking about what's uh, happening in the post-oil world and uh, they want a lot of infrastructure they want to do financing they want the tallest buildings they want the fastest transport i think it's pretty smart they do they did ask one question i know we wanted to move on but this one question really kind of bugged me a little bit he asked the question about elon you're always pushing the limits of what humans can do why and i was thinking to myself I don't think that's really 100% accurate. You're really in a, in a negative mood today. <laughs> he's right, you know relanding re rockets. He's starting electric car companies that people said couldn't possibly work. And you're saying he's not pushing the edge. Who else is doing this, the, you, the limits of humanity is what well, you said. Well, as a, as a general concept, not like he's not making you bionic. Okay, it was a question. I'm not allowed to ask questions. Fine. You know what? Move on. Okay. Let's move on. Let's no, move on because I've got a question for you. It's a total aside. No. 
How much would the $6 million man cost today? I heard this on a podcast other week. Hold on, $6 million oh. man. What year was $6 million man? 1974 through 79. There was a lot of inflation in the 74, 79. I'm going to say $6 million. $183 million. Holy Incorrect. mackerel. I would say more like $30 million. <gasps> boom, boom, boom. $32 million. Yeah. And that seems uh, See, I can like that not that math. expensive. My coffee's $32 kicking million in. Dollar man. Who All cares? Right. All right, let's talk about the Bolt. Uh, so here's the Bolt, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, it's got a 60 kilowatt hour battery. It's by GM. And this guy called Glenn Williams, who's a local lad, I think, from uh, LA, I believe, but I could be lying. And this is from Electric. He said he did typical driving. He was driving on the freeway for about 100 miles, and then he was driving on the roads, and he had sort of perfect conditions. It wasn't lots of hills. There wasn't lots of changes in temperature. And this was not this was not a hypermile attempt. It was just him driving around. And what he said the- he got over 300 miles range on that bolt in average, everyday, flat driving, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. If you hypermile a Tesla right now, the record is, for a Tesla, 550 miles in an S85. Uh, We haven't seen somebody try and hypermile in 100, but it should be possible to get over 600 miles. Of course, you'll be doing 25 miles an hour, but still, I want to see somebody try and get 600 miles in their S100. That sounds like the most boring car ride ever. Yeah, there's a guy that did uh, one, and it was wasn't 500 miles, it was like 475 through Colorado yeah. and stuff. Where he did drove for 14 hours at about 30 miles an hour and didn't take a whiz. <laughs> Can you he imagine ne- 600 miles with no whiz? He needs like some special poopy pants. Yeah, we'll get to that. Oh yeah. So now let's talk about uh, the Volt battery production. LG is making the battery for these uh, cars and the Volt and the Pacifica, and they're building them in Holland, Michigan. Is that in Denmark? Yeah. (laughs) They have special shoes. They're going to ramp up production and try and get as much as three gigawatt hours. Currently, they're only making 650 megawatt hours. They're going to do this by adding uh, 15, uh, well, 1,000, no, no, 150,000 square feet. (laughs) They're going to add 100 to 150 uh, jobs. And the question is, how many bolts or volts or Pacificas are they going to be able to produce? Any idea? I have no idea. It depends on the mix. I mean, I don't know what that means, to be honest with you, because I don't know what the mix for the three hundred uh, for the 650 megawatt hours of battery production is currently. So that's a, that's a hard question to answer. The real question mm-hmm. is how many of them are they going to sell? I had a friend yesterday who bought a Volt, and the more— Volt of Volt. A Volt with a V. Volt with a V, yeah. Uh-huh. My friend Paul listens to the show all the time, and his only problem with the show is that he doesn't get to talk to me during it. Oh, that's I've known lovely. him for thirty years, and he's Aww. like, "I want to, I want to ask you questions while your show's going just, on, but it's recorded." Just talk to the talk to the car, <laughs> talk to the noise that's coming out. Let me continue on, though. Well, actually, now let me uh, go to an aside. Can I go to an aside? Please. The bolt. Grandpa's getting a bolt on Thursday. For yes, sure. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, really done deal. Now, let me tell Whoa. you some of the details about that because we first went down, we went to a dealer and said, uh, "Grandpa wants a bolt," and he's like, "Oh, well, the standard lease is about three hundred bucks a month." Um, he goes, no, but I want it decked out. I want the full premium edition. I want all the bells and whistles. And he goes, does his math and goes, oh, that's going to be about 650 a month. And we walked away from that going, how do you increase the cost of that car by $8,000 and come up with twice the lease? So be careful, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, when you go and do these things. So he went to the AAA, which is an auto club here in the United States. That's correct. And uh, had found a nice young lady there that did all the work for him. And so he said, I want it all decked out. Here's the color I want. And she went out and found a car. In Northridge, $350 a month. The lease is three years, 10,000 miles a year, and uh, $5,000 down. So that's a pretty good deal. 
$350, maxed out car, 5000 down, 350 a month. That was the first, that's pretty close to the first quote I got via mail from uh, the Bolt person. And the real question, I guess, is does he love it? Does he love the Bolt? Yeah. He really likes it. Um, he drove it around a little bit. He likes uh, the inside of it. He likes the tech. And he wants us, he's driving a minivan right now. So he wants a much smaller car to whip around town and have a, the backup camera was the thing I think that uh, changed his that life. That thing's awesome. In the rear view mirror. In the rear view mirror. Yeah. So they have a, they have cameras in the back, but you can project it into the rear view mirror. And he's like, that thing sold me right there. Yeah, that's amazing. So we'll see. We'll pick it up on uh, Thursday. I'll go with him. We'll do a little bit of recording. It's going to be good times. Grandpa's getting a bolt. What are you getting, Tom? Oh. Tom right now has a look of hate that is deep. I don't know, again, because I I, I still – actually, I still don't know why I can pull the trigger on the car. And I think it's because the once a week that I'm allowed to drive a Tesla – Yeah. And I use the word allowed. (laughs) Yes, that's correct. It's so great. It's it's fun to drive, honestly. And I'm not like a, hey, let's fun to drive guy. Like, But it's it's fun to drive. It feels like when you're on it and you're getting on a, a difficult freeway in Hollywood and people are kind of driving weird, you can get past them and sort you're of the, get out of trouble very quickly. King. King I don't know what that means. But, yes, you're the king of acceleration. Sure. It just feels <laughs> safe because you can get out of the situations and it drives very solidly. And so I don't know. And then – over the weekend, as I do, I'm on the Tesla website and I log into my Tesla and I see like my reservation for the Model 3 and then I, it shows like the S and it shows the 3 and I sat there and I stared at them both for a little while. For a long time. The profiles of the two of them. And, and what I learned or, or started to consider was it looks like the, the compartment where the people sit in the Model 3 is about the same size as the S, mm-hmm. and they just shorten the frunk mm-hmm. and the trunk. Also, it appears to be just a tiny bit higher, like a little more like the X, mm-hmm. a what? tiny bit, a tiny bit more bubbled, really? bubbled up. Don't if you look at them side Grandpa. by side, really? If you look at them side, you, yeah. If you look at the two of them, you know, like you're in the My Tesla, if yes. you have an S, yes. try this. If you have yes. an S and you have a Model 3 reservation, when you go to My Tesla and you log in, they're both there. Boom. And they're right on top of each other. Little profile photograph yes. mm-hmm. of the two of them. And that, if you, if you feel like they're in scale to one another and it was like properly done, then the, the, the three looks like a little bit more bubblier on the top. And it yes. just seems like the wheelbase is almost exactly the same. It's upsetting. Why? So you're saying it's a little bit more X in its shape than the S in its shape. So right, it's but it may bubbly? have the kind of room interiorly that the S has. Although only – has Robert's been in the thing. You've been in a three? No. 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 I was in the Bolt. He was not in a three. I thought you were in – I would no. really like to but, see one of these puppies. But – Yes, ma'am. That was when – ma'am. That, that was one of my questions that I put in the show notes is that, that we are getting to the point of there being a Model 3 second launch. Yes, yes. we're very And close. you know, Tesla Nation, I have to ask for your support because still, talking Tesla is we – are, we are not on the radar of Tesla Giant. We want to be on the radar of Tesla Giant so that when these events occur, we can be there periscoping and tweeting and recording and collecting as much information as possible for all of you 
who don't have a chance of being there. Mostly you just want to go there for the Chardonnay and the sliders, let's be honest. And while we're there. So let me go talk about the truck. Um, That's very interesting. Another aside, quick aside. I really want the Model Y. I've been thinking about it a lot this weekend. Okay, so the 3 might be a little bit more bubbly than the um, S, but I want a Model Y desperately. I really like the X, the way it sits up. I want that car a little bit smaller and without that falking wing doors. I want a Model Y with sliding doors. Is that okay? Now let's talk about trucks. This is another story from Electric. Mercedes-Benz started a small production series of 10 to 15 of an all-electric heavy truck. It has a 212-kilowatt-hour battery. It gets about 125 miles range. That's about 200 kilometers. It carries 26 tons. It's going to come in a number of different configurations. They're building just a few right now, but they say by the magic 2020, they will ramp up production. Trucks are coming. is going to be amazing. Because everybody says their stuff is going to be here in 2020. Volkswagen, Daimler. It's going to be like the year 2000 when all the computers were going to crash at midnight and world havoc was going to break out and everybody who has any type of anxiety disorder was just totally flaring was that fake news i don't know that That was was incorrect news news. well it's interesting i just think it's funny that everybody who has a car coming in the future not one of them not one of them says it's coming in 2021 it's always 2020 well, the truck looks beautiful. I have to say, it's really sleek, but I got really disappointed when I read through the article and they said, they're going to make uh, in the low double digits, which is that- right, because they don't like know if- 11. Well, they got, I mean, that's a that's a big investment to, you know, they make thousand of them and no one wants them. Well, but at the same time, the article says that they're making them so they can collect data and see if it works, et cetera. I don't know. I mean, the way Tesla does this is they just put the thing out and then they just run all the tests on those vehicles that are out there. I don't know. Mercedes making a dud? I don't think so. I don't think it's a dud. I just think it's exciting that these big trucks are starting. And by 2020, the world's going to be great. Let's talk about the tax credit. Now, let's be very careful here. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'd like to apologize for Tom and Robert because I never would have got it wrong. We've talked about the federal tax credit here in the United States a number of times. Every single time we talk about it, apparently we get it wrong. I think that's Tesla Nation. Tesla Nation is angry. Tom is angry back at them. So those of you outside North America could give a rat's. But here in North America, there's a federal tax credit. At some point, it goes away when you make a lot of cars. I'm not going to say when it is, but 27 of our listeners say we get it wrong every time. That's correct. We get it wrong in a in one sense, and in the other sense, I think we talk about it in terms of when the car comes out, right? When are they going to start producing that car? Up until a few weeks ago, we didn't think they were going to produce any of them this year. The Model correct? 3. The Model 3s, correct. correct? Right? So we well, could have— our numbers were low. We think. We but, don't know. But, Go on. Right? And, and we didn't know how much— the demand for the S's and X's was going to happen between the time that the three was launched and now. And that, for me, was the big factor that I was working under. The The longer it takes to put the three out, the, the closer they are to making less of them count for the tax credit. If you start to do the math, they have to be able to perfectly time it to get the maximum number of them out under... The full federal tax credit, like so for one year after the full tax credit ends, there's a half credit and then a quarter credit. One lasts for six months and the other one lasts for six months. 
But a lot of it depends on how they get them out, right? Right now, Tesla's at about 120,000 U.S. deliveries. So that's 80,000 cars they have left that would qualify for the full federal tax credit. Right. Let's say they make 60,000 of them are threes by the end of December. And I'm, I'm just putting a number out there, right? And that gives them two more quarters, I believe, the way that I've looked at it, to make full production. If they were able to have full-blown ramp-up of the 35,000 cars that we've had estimates thrown at us, right? That's the 16 hours a day, 72 units an hour, about 35,000 a month. Then they could make a whole lot of them, 210,000 in that next quarter. Yes. That would mean they'd have to deliver all of those to the states. Right. And no S's and X's would be delivered at that point. And that would probably cover everybody in the states who currently has a reservation, right. which is estimated on a few websites at about 253,000 reservations in the U.S. So I want to say thank you to uh, Patrick and other Patrick and Melinda Viermer and um, some other people who took us to task and who have very long letters. And I don't know if anything that Tom said is correct. But everybody seems to agree that it's there's a lot more than we were stating initially because in my head it was like 200,000 stop and they're saying, no, it's, it ramps down. It's going to be okay. A lot of people are going right. to get this. I don't know the exact number, but if Tom's wrong, it's his fault. It's not mine, all right? right. But, uh, it, but a lot of it depends on how what their production ramp up is when they get to that 200,000 right. mark, right? If they can meet those projections, then it'll be great. If, if they get to 200,000 cars and they're having all kinds of issues with production – and that's possible, right? They could waste six months hardly getting any cars out. Right. So it's in, it'll be interesting to see how they can time this so that they hit the 200,000th U.S. delivery on like the first day of a quarter, which would give them the most time to then ramp up and just pump out as much as possible for six months. They'd have three, basically that would give them kind of three total quarters, right? Because if they... If they got to 200000 on the first day of a quarter, yeah. they, they announced that they got to that at the end of that quarter. That gives them that whole quarter yep. and the next two quarters right. to produce cars. If they get delayed and they're making a lot of S's and a lot of X's and they're delivering them to the states, then there could be even less cars available. So it's a there's a big range of variability. Right. Do they, in your guys' opinion, do they maximize that six-month period and not deliver any Model 3s anywhere else in the world? That's Well, they said initially they were going to deliver in California, then the western United States, then they're going to move to the east, then they're going to move to Europe, then they're going to move to the Asia-Oceana uh, region. So if you're out of the U.S., does that mean you're probably not going to see a car mm -hmm. until three quarters after they deliver the first car here? Oh, at least... I would think the if they're going to do get this, screwed again, again, yeah, as always. But they could come here and buy it, I guess, and then ship it. It's themselves. on the wrong, the steering wheel's on the wrong side. Uh, Prius Prime. I want to talk about the Prius Prime. This is from Toyota.com. So the Prius is a great car, right? It's sort of the poster child for environmental driving from you know ten, twenty years ago. They've come out with a new version, which is actually available today. I want to sort of get away a bit from talking about cars that are going to come in 2020. Talk about cars that are here right now. So the Prius Prime gets 54 miles per gallon combined electric and gas. It has a plug, and that plug gives it 25 miles of EV range that uh, you can charge this up in 5.5 hours. So if you're looking for a car right now, we're going to talk a little bit about um, where you get your electricity from. 
But this, to me, is a really good plug-in hybrid right now. If you need a plug-in hybrid right now, that goes a long way. But also, most of the time, you're just driving around town. The Prius Prime, $30,000-ish, Tom. Prius Prime, the Chevy Volt, is in the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to think that this is the model of cars that most people would adopt sooner rather than later as far as electric adoption. And maybe it's the focus. This has never been the focus of Tesla, but maybe this is the way that other car companies, obviously Toyota is focused here. Uh, GM is focused in both, both worlds. But for me, I think a lot of people, like for me right now today, if there was a four-wheel drive SUV that got 100 miles in the city, right, like the RAV4 EV guy, mm-hmm. which was perfect for my commuting, my driving, most of my driving needs, and then had a V6 engine that would be allow you to tow if you wanted to, mm-hmm. that car would sell like hotcakes and probably get and probably reduce if everybody drove that car, it would probably reduce the amount of gas that we used in this country by a gigaflop. A, a ton. <laughs> An absolute. Yeah, I agree with you. So I think uh, that these are great cars because you get to drive electric with all the zippiness most of the time. And then if you need an extended range, you've got gas. We could put these in SUVs. We could put these in bigger trucks. And you could suck people into the electric universe because whenever the gas engine's on, they'd be like, oh, where's all my zippy electricness? Right, but you have that, but you also have the additional power that people need, right? So you could sell this to contractors. Like this, I think, is... This is the car that would change the paradigm. Like if the Ford F-150 had 100 miles of electric range, I think people would buy it. If the Toyota 4Runner had about 100 miles of electric range. And it was real, not like the Nissan Leaf uh, 100 miles of range, which is not real. I think that uh, we have to be realistic. One, I own a plug-in Prius. My wife has it now. But it is not a zippy car. And it does have electricity, and it's nice to know that it has electricity, and it's nice to know that you have to put less gasoline in it, but it does not drive like a pure electric car, which doesn't have a big gas engine that it has to haul around, period one. Second is that um, this is a good transition. So if people can't get away from their truck, they want to take a, I don't know, a boat to the to the ranch up in the lakes every other weekend or something, and they need something with an extended range and they don't want to stop to charge. Okay, this might get those people to buy their next car with both a gas engine and an electric system within it. But from a physics standpoint, it is not at all... Um, conservation. It's not saving that much. It just keeps people from buying some gas, but they're going to use up more energy all the way around to haul all this equipment in their car. But I I kind of disagree with you on a little, on a thing, because there are people that have volts that go a thousand miles between Phillips. So that's, if they were, those same people were driving uh, a regular small Accord, they would go 250 miles between Phillips, right? So there definitely is a benefit on that end. And it, so if you're, again, it's the 99% car, right? It's the car that it gets you over that 99% hump technically because, A, you may need more power occasionally to haul stuff. Mm-hmm which you would get out of the bigger engine. And for most of us, 100 miles of range will will solve their commuting. So for me, if I had that car, it would solve – I would almost never use gas. Yeah. 
Well, what's nice to see is that Toyota is moving towards electricity again. And they're still promoting the Mirai, the hydrogen fuel cell car, (laughs) which I've seen two more on the road. Mm. And meh, I think that's probably the least energy efficient car you could buy. Was it on the side of the road because they couldn't find a place to fill it up? No. Let's talk about uh, more about EVs. This is from The Economist. Morgan Stanley says that they expect that 4% of new cars are going to be EVs by 2025. Well, at least that's what they used to say. Now they say, we believe it's actually going to be 7%. Exxon Bank, or BNP Bank, is another big bank that says, actually, we believe it's going to be 11% by 2025. And then Ford's boss, whose name's Mark Fields, comes out and says... We think it's going to be even faster than that. Faster. He believes, and many other believe, that we have now reached that tipping point where the cost of the batteries has come down, yeah. uh, the sexiness of the EVs, the fun of the driving, this is all coming together, and that EVs are going to penetrate the market way faster than all of these prior predictions. And what's missing for all of these other EVs besides Tesla is that none of them have battery capacity, enough battery capacity to really ramp this up as quickly as they're saying. Right now... One in a hundred cars is powered, sold today is powered by electricity. And in China, more than 400,000 pure EVs were sold last year. That's a big, big number. The real question is, where's the battery capacity going to come from? Like, obviously, we're hoping multiple gigafactories start to show up. But LG is struggling to uh, produce enough batteries for GM. I love these articles. Let let me think back. Let me think back in time. How long ago was it that Tesla held a reveal of the Model 3 and hundreds of thousands of people one year ago put in their orders? Yeah, March 31st of 2016. And now they're finally coming around? I don't know. I guess why should I be surprised? Maybe uh, they thought that was vapor. So I think you're right, Tom. It's Now it's going to get to capacity uh, another story we've got here is from the Santa Monica Tesla store where they're showing a little advertisement mm-hmm. about uh, the Gigafactory. Mm-hmm. And in this thing, they're like, the Gigafactory is going to be big and it's going to be 5 million square feet and blah, blah, blah. And they say there, and it's going to reduce battery costs 35%. That little thing, that little advertising thing used to say 30%. Now they think it's going to drop costs even more. Boom. And that's an even bigger point, right? Because the only way... To really do to get the cycle really flying mm-hmm. is to increase capacity so much that you do bring down costs. And the only company currently on that path is Tesla in partnership with Panasonic. So at some point, somebody else is going to have to get big, big, big into the game and put that $5 billion money where their mouth is. Well, where the LG is building this plant in. Holland, was it? Holland, Michigan. Oh, not Holland, Netherlands. No. Okay. So where they're building this plant, there's a lot of open space around there. And they're talking about like clearing like a small warehouse area and adding 100 uh, jobs, 150 Mm -hmm. jobs. I mean, like, it's really like, it's like pissing in the ocean. They need, they need to take out a ginormous shovel and get going. Right. No, not, they're not visionary with this. And that could, it won't make it not happen but it will delay that right. process right because the key thing for all of these cars is the cost you know what's the key here really perth perth australia mate perth. Gig, gig factory two in perth mate let's go buy there's some land in perth there. let's start digging because that's where there's 26 percent of the world's lithium high 
grade lithium. And they can send it over to uh, Japan and other countries, mate, from Perth. Is your name not Bruce? Let's let's talk about electric, <laughs> mate. Because uh, electric says that there's been uh, a new... Who does? Electric. Don't. Oh, sorry. Electric! Um, I can't do that Australian accent. I'll just do my normal Australian <laughs> accent. Um, updates to autopilot. So they said there's been a new update to autopilot. So autopilot uh, software updates for the 2.0 hardware. How's that working out for you, Mel? Well, let me tell you, Tom. So first of all, they said you can drive at 45 miles an hour on the freeway. Ooh, So yay. that was uh, those circumstances like in LA all the time where you're in traffic. Mm. Then they increased the speed to 50 miles an hour. It's learning. It's getting smarter, Tom, all the time. It's getting smarter. It's getting smarter all the time. Wow. And then... Better, better, better. Now they say you can start to drive it not on the freeways but on the streets and a software upgrade came to everybody but me. Aww. I didn't Everybody get it. but Mel. Sort of like the golf game when you get yeah. no birdies. Yeah, everybody but Mel. And I've still got wavy lines. Now, one of the letters here, and I can't remember who said it, said, Mel, stop whining about the wavy lines and go get it fixed. But I called them to get it fixed, and they said, wait, there's going to be an over-the-air software update if you've got hardware 2.0 and still have wavy lines. Still haven't got it. I don't think you're whining about it. I think you're more bitching about it. Yeah, I think uh, there's a little bitchy whine about it. So that's all I have to say. This is getting smarter all the time. It's good. And I've got another article from Electric. This is about smart. Smart US is going to go all EV. So right now in North America, smart, you know, I don't know if you know, there's this tiny little car. They're these tiny, tiny little cars. They have gas versions and they have electric versions. And they're very popular in Europe. I don't know if they're called smart in Europe, though. They're made by Daimler. They're now going fully EV. And at first I read this, I'm like, that is fantastic. They're going fully EV. And then you realize that they only sold 6,000 of these in the U.S. last year. Yeah, it's a compliance car. Is that what's going on? After my fight with Santa Monica Uh, and them giving me a ticket for having a partially scraped off EV sticker, I thought, you don't remember that? Anyway, I saw two of these cars parked in the exact same parking space with room for cars on either side. And I thought, wow, how does the parking meter person like deal with that? They can't like give a ticket. They cannot, no. So these guys are just like, you know, two friends with a smart car. They can be like, screw it, man. We're going to split the cost of the meter and nail the city at the same time so you think that the two of them decided to to take two separate smart cars and that they were together you don't like think it was, it was coordinated just a coincidence i don't know well i, I think they it for a photo that up, would I'm be sure. terribly maybe inefficient use of a smart car <laughs> maybe there's like a smart car podcast in which they talk about smart yeah. car etiquette and they say look if you're going to park in a parking space scoot all the way back to one end yeah. so another smarty can use the other half they sound like a couple of smart asses Let's talk about uh, more about batteries and gigafactories. So let's uh, go to Teslarati. We love those guys. Tesla completed a two megawatt hour battery pack installation for PG&E near San Francisco. So we have the giant uh-huh. big installation that they did here at the Aleso Canyon, which is down the street from us. This is another one, 22 power packs, enough to uh, power 380 homes. And again, the article here is all about the fact that sometimes you need a lot of power very quickly and this is turning out to be a very efficient way to do it. You can put these battery packs up very fast. You can then use this as a peaker station when the um, the requirement for energy is instant. You just put these puppies in rather than sticking in very expensive natural gas peaker plants. It's a great thing. And the cool thing is it's like less than 50 days after they went live with the uh, Miraloma substation power pack, which was like 390 or 400 power packs. This one has 
uh, 22. So it's a bit smaller, but still, I say just keep pumping these babies out. And if you, they were using in that region this hydro storage facility up in the Sierra Nevada mountains where they would pump water up, put it up into a reservoir, and then at nighttime or at times when they uh, didn't have uh, extra production, let the water fall down and make electricity. But they noted in the article that it would take years between permitting and engineering and construction to build some facility like this. Same thing for a peaker plant. Even though it runs off natural gas, which is, quote, clean, not, uh, all of that stuff takes time. And the fact that they could pop these batteries out, put them right where they were needed, there was no loss of electricity. If you had a pump the electricity to uh, the Sierra Nevada mountains a couple hundred miles away, do this whole energy storage thing, pump it back. You're losing a lot of electricity in the wires. So why not just put it right, bam, in the corner of the neighborhood where you need it? And they talked about this in this Tesla article that PG&E is also doing a distributed test in the same area where they're going to install uh, power walls in people's homes. And then they're going to see where they're going to they're going to uh, check all the data on both of them and compare the two and see which is more efficient. Which will help all the other states right. and all the energy authorities so around the world. So a day could come where the DWP is like, hey, welcome to the DWP. You just Hi. bought a home in Los Angeles. Yeah, Thank and you. Uh, now we're going to put a power wall on your home and you're going to be you. part of our smart uh, grid and we're not going to have any peaker plants. So you're welcome and it's going to distribute it. But maybe that power pack is going to power your neighbor's house or, or however. And it's that's going to be the fascinating thing. I think, again, and I've said this in the past, I think Tesla Energy is going to end up being 10 times bigger than Tesla Motors. I think you might be right. Yeah, definitely. I don't know that they have to even put it on your home. Why don't they just make a cuff that goes around the power pole that contains a ton of batteries, and it can just be a place for birds to build their nests? They could do that. I Electric mean, I, birds? Yeah. Let's say, and that Although sort of some places in- don't have power poles, sorry. That leads into Powerwall 2, another story I went crazy with. Electric! Um, this, they're rolling out Powerwall 2 now, and this has actually been delayed because they've been using so much of their capacity for these big power packs that they're putting in these industrial yes. services. But now they say we've caught up, and so now you can start to get Powerwall tools. And let's go over those again. The cost of these things is $5,500 here in the U.S., plus installation puts it up to about $7,000. And that's for the 14-kilowatt-hour version. I wanted to do some math again. If you're going to buy this math, to save sure? money... Let's go through it. So if you buy electricity really cheap, let's say in the middle of the night, 10 cents per kilowatt hour, and you charge up your power wall, yeah. and then you use that power at the peak time, let's say you're paying 40 cents per kilowatt hour at 8 o'clock at night. So that's how you're going to use this thing. Under these extreme circumstances, 10 cents when it's cheap, Which 40 cents when it's don't expensive, exist. it does in some places like Hawaii, your payback period is still going to be around four to five years. But in those, again, I just want to reiterate for the people so we don't get a lot of letters. Most of the time that your energy is most expensive is not at night. What? It's it's not at night. That energy is the most expensive. Energy is the most expensive when there is the most uh, when the most used, which is is around sort of five o'clock to eight o'clock at night. When people come home from work. Where I live in uh, Southern California, Edison Territory, from noon to 6 p.m., the cost of electricity is over twice 
what it is at the other hours. Right, noon to six. That's because all of the businesses are also using electricity. That's actually the peak hour. And so there's a little bit of a drop off when people leave their offices. Yeah, but the point is, the point is you buy it when it's cheap and you use it when it's expensive. Whenever that is, I just wanted to clarify that it doesn't necessarily mean at night, which is what you said. And I apologize for Excuse derailing you. Excuse me. My goodness. We get this... a lot of letters from people getting pissed off at so... us. I like this. Uh, five-year payback is pretty good, but that's an extreme circumstance. For most people, it's going to be significantly what longer than that. What is it for you, though? What's your peak cost versus your cheap cost? I have no difference. It's I am on um, a system where it's just whenever I use it, it's the same price all the time. Because you're not in upper tiers. I'm not in those. Well, yeah, it gets more expensive if I use a lot of it, but it's not right. a time of day thing. So uh, this brings me to the point of asking the question, when will this actually be useful and again because it's only 14 kilowatt hours i want something that's at least twice that much because i want at least a full day and i want it at half the price but something happened to me over the weekend tom what well no i'm what i'm curious about this for you specifically because i think that's what people want to hear right so for you the payback is different because you could be theoretically producing some of that extra capacity that you're sending back into the grid your net metering which you're currently getting that money back so i'm just trying to figure out like in your specific use case scenario if your cost of electricity never changes theoretically the thing would never pay itself off the only way for you for it to benefit you economically is if you're producing with your solar so much more at a lot of times during the day that you don't have to feed that back into the grid and they're paying you less for that than you would be paying to use it, that's your payback difference, correct? Am I right uh, about that? Well, it's if I stored enough so that I didn't go into the, you know, using more than the baseline amount. So they give you a baseline amount, and then once you pass that, you have to pay more. Mm-hmm. And then once you pass. So for me, I don't think it actually works very well at all. It's really financially. For, financially, it works for people where there's a difference between buying the cheap and the expensive electricity. But for me, this happened on the weekend. So okay. there was big storms here in LA. Mm-hmm. And uh, somewhere a power line went out, and for about 48 hours I had no power. Ooh. And that was a pain in the buttocks. You realize very quickly how much you need energy all the time. Yeah. I couldn't use my studio. I couldn't do work. Uh, I couldn't watch cat videos. It was terrible. <laughs> so if, if you were in a situation where that happens frequently, and that used to happen all the time in Los Angeles. About 20 years ago we had brownouts and blackouts mm-hmm. all the time. That's gone. If you're in that situation, then having a power wall pays for itself day one. Like the, everybody's power goes off and you've still got power and you can work all day. That paid for itself for that day. Thank you very much. So You make a lot of money in a day. Well, I'm a very rich man. Um, <laughs> so I'm was, just saying if you if you are using it as, as a backup, as a supplement to a crappy yeah. power system, mm-hmm. uh, then this pays for itself very quickly. Yeah, I thought that the Patreon – uh, piece that you put out on Friday was really cool because he he recorded in his car. He did a little talking Tesla yeah. element in his car. I thought that was cool. That but was you have nice. to be a Patreon subscriber to enjoy that. So shout out saying, to everybody. We're going to do that every week. I'm going to come out with something uh, like that every week for the Patreon subscribers. And I've got to tell you, the acoustics in the S, as a uh, portable studio, the acoustics in the S are really good. So it if you want to buy a sound good. studio... About a hundred thousand dollars, and you can drive it anywhere you want. <laughs> and the uh, the sound of the rain pelting your car, I didn't realize how hard it was actually raining Friday because I was in my house. What I did want to bring up about the power packs and the power walls is that they are not an absolute panacea replacement 
for all these other types of energy storage because if you're pumping water up into a, uh, a high reservoir and draining it back down, you know, depending on what that pump equipment is, it can be repaired, but it doesn't all have to be replaced completely for a very long time. Power packs and power walls do have a cycle. They have a life cycle. So you can charge them all the way up. You can discharge them all the way down. And you can only do that. And I was trying to look here for the number, but I thought it was something like 5,000 cycles. So that's like 12 years. So you have to factor that into the cost of this. And it doesn't, it, it makes it, you know, it's still very clean. And Tesla's talked about ever since they started the Gigafactory, being able to take back their batteries and strip them apart, pull out the aluminum, recycle the other elements and recreate more batteries. We'll see how that works. And we'll hear more about it as the Gigafactory kind of blossoms into its full, uh, full size and with all the features that they're planning. So let's talk about superchargers because, as you know, there's not enough superchargers in the world. We need 10x in order of magnitude more superchargers than we have right now. But this week has been big, Robert. Big. Yeah, yeah. This has been a very exciting week. We have four superchargers that have started construction. We have one in Traverse City, Michigan, which is kind of in the upper north reaches of Michigan. It's not the northernmost part of the United States, but I don't know what's really up there. I mean, Mackinac Island is kind of off to the ways. You know, is that in the UP, the Upper Peninsula area? Upper Peninsula, yeah. yeah. Upper Western Peninsula, right alongside one of those big lakes. The, Good one job, of those, UPers. One of those great lakes. And so I was noticing, though, when I looked at this Michigan map and the Wisconsin map, the superchargers kind of crowded a lot closer together. And I wonder if that has to do with the winter driving conditions. Oh, yeah. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. So we've got another one coming uh, on, uh, sort of starting construction in Arlington, Texas, Calgary in the Canada, and in Maribor, <laughs> Slovenia, which uh, is the sister city of Pueblo, Colorado. Not necessarily a fun fact. We have new... Oh, no, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We have uh, five new superchargers. Mm. It's sort of like a soccer match, though. It reminds me of looking at a soccer match because we have two in France, Cisteron mm-hmm. and I, I can't speak French, so. Gansoumer? There you go. Must be near the ocean. That makes sense. Two in France, two in the United Arab Emirates. And I think Elon brought him with him on his jet. Oh, to the UAE <laughs> when he went to the Plugged summit. Well, yeah. I think there's no uh, there's no coincidence that we had a couple open up in the UAE, and uh, Elon said that they were going to up uh, sort of expand the supercharger network so that you could drive all through the Gulf states. What's, yes. What's the? We talk a lot about the cold effect on the battery. What's the heat effect on the battery in places like the UAE? You think is it about? Is it the same? I don't think you have the problems where you can't. Uh, regenerate electricity. So like if you're in the cold climate and you get in your car, it's been really cold, I don't know, 30, 20, 10 degrees, and you start driving, you don't have good regeneration. Well, the problem there is that the car uses a lot of energy to keep the batteries warm. True. And it also uses it to keep them cool. Right. But is it the same? Do do we know if it's the same? I think you use a lot more energy to warm them than to cool them. On the basis of no effects, I think that is true. (laughs) <laughs> and then, so we had the two in UAE, uh-huh. Jebel Ali, and in Masar City, Masdar City, mm-hmm. and then in Fukuoka, Japan, which Woo-hoo. is in the southern island of Japan, which I've always wanted to go to because they have the black sand 
uh, bubbling beaches. The southern bubbling Maine. beaches? Yeah, they have like uh, hot springs under the wa- under the beaches. And you go out on the... And it's like cold there in the wintertime, right? They get snow. But the beaches are warm under your feet. That sounds like there's magma just under your feet, too, that explode at any time. That always makes me anxious. That's why Japan tends to have a lot of earthquakes and other natural disasters. In New Zealand, I went to a beautiful black sand beach. I went to Cece's wedding. It was a Beautiful time in the was black sand beach. beach. No, it was it a nude. nude? Oh, no, I had my clothes on. Is that, that kind of wedding, Cece? No. Well, there was some nudity at the wedding. No. We want to talk about that. There was? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, beautiful beaches there. Damn it. Is there a hot tub? Um, Should have taken my invite. Let's do SpaceX oh. and uh, launch this weekend. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this was huge. I'm sure you all watched it. If you didn't, you can go to spacex.com and check it out. This was a big deal. Who watched it live and how excited were you? I sat down on Saturday morning, big tub of popcorn. Dr. Pepper was ready to go. They were like 13. Hold, hold, hold. And I was like, oh. Yeah, T minus 13 was a sad time. seconds. I was at work and I had it going. And then, you know, shift changes at seven. So the new nurses and techs come in and the old tired Nurses and techs go home, and they're all listening like, what's going on, Dr. Rosenblum? And so I put it up on the on my screen. I have a wide screen at this one hospital, and we're all watching, and everybody's excited and talking, and just what Elon talks about, you know, the things that give us passion and excite us can actually urge us, push us to do greater and better things. Some guy and, with the STEMIs in the corner like, uh, hello, doctor, no. can you help me? There was like two people in the emergency room, and they were both discharged. And so everybody's watching and I was really excited. They were asking me questions. I got to, they were like, oh, really? You know about this? I was like, yeah. A little bit. I spend like a crazy amount of time on this stuff. (laughs) And so boom, T minus 13, it stopped. And everybody's like, what's happening? What's happening? I said, it's all over. (laughs) It's ended We're coming back tomorrow morning. But I did send out a couple of tweets. It was very cool to watch. But for one tiny little issue, they stopped the whole thing. And that was an adjuster, a thrust vector actuator. It was on, on stage two. Yeah, it's on stage two. It's this device. They basically have the the main engine hanging on a little twilly bob that can they can tilt the engine both directions. It's actually and, the bell that moves, not the engine. Okay, and so they can tilt the direction of the engine's thrust by using these actuators and one of them didn't seem quite right so it turns out and i asked i sent elon a tweet like does this mean that you have to take all the fuel out of the rocket before somebody goes up there and crawls around and it turns out they take the rocket off the launch pad drop it to horizontal after they've completely emptied all of the fuel and then a bunch of people get in there and they actually replace this one device. They had a spare one there. So that's a huge amount of work. A whole lot of people were probably sleeping during the launch because they had been up for like 24 hours working yeah. on the rocket. But they wanted to be really, really sure for a couple of reasons. One, it's their first flight back with uh, NASA supplying the International Space Station. They don't want to lose any more like rodents and, and poopy bags. Two tons of gear on that bad boy. Uh, yeah, well, 5,000 pounds, somewhere in there. There was a uh, uh, second launch on Sunday. It was it was spectacular. There was a lot of clouds, but, I mean, watching it land... Beautiful. I felt like I was playing a video game or something. So this was a land landing, not a barge landing, because they're close enough to Cape Canaveral that they can use the landing zone. Right. So they flew from the famous pad. Tell us about the famous pad. Why was everybody excited about this particular launch? 
39A is actually on the Johnson Space Center, as opposed to they were using the Cape Canaveral, which is on the other side of this region. This was the place where Apollo launched. The first man to walk on the moon, Armstrong, was launched from this site, and they launched the space shuttles from this site. Not all of them, but most of them. So this has seen the most heavy launches of any launch pad uh, ever, and it's you know, a super historic place. Everybody was all like, oh, googly eyed that they were going to use this site for this. And uh, they have like a long term lease on it and they're going to continue. Well, they've actually modified it completely so they can launch the Falcon Heavy, which is an even more exciting prospect, yeah. which is going to be the largest rocket that'll carry the largest payloads. And still beyond that, nobody asked, they, they're going to use the Mars Colonial Transport with the Raptor engines. Yeah. I, uh, but they said that they've completely modified 39A. It's ready to go for as many Falcon 9s and Falcon Heavies. And they have an estimated two-week turnaround time. And it still has that cool fallaway tower on it. Which yeah, that's is a new awesome. thing for SpaceX. They typically had a tower that they retracted yeah. before the launch, but now they have a tilt back tower. You can also see in the videos this this structure that held the the space shuttle. They didn't take that away. It's probably like a, a landmark yeah. of some kind. The last time it was used was for the space shuttle. This particular thing. So this was their eighth successful first stage landing. Uh, like you said, they didn't use a barge because they had enough fuel to get back to Cape Canaveral. It looked fantastic. They're planning on reusing this booster. And in the post-launch uh, press conference, there was a lot of questions that got asked. They're going to launch a Dragon unmanned crew capsule. In other words, a capsule that's got the chairs in it, that's pressurized, that's all ready to go with a lot of sensors in it. They're going to do that at the end of this year so that they can launch a manned Dragon crew capsule next year and that is huge and are they going to retrieve this capsule i imagine the so. unmanned the test one yeah or maybe they'll just send it to the space station to be uh loaded up with a lot of garbage or something oh space poop so i want to know if you can tell me this hmm. when are they doing that launch where they take up uh, the first stage that's actually three different rockets and they disassemble them up in space, boom, and bring three down at the same time and land three at the same that's time. That's the heavy. When's that happening? That's the heavy. Yeah, that's supposed to be in the second quarter, although... as, as Of early, next year? Of, of this, this year. year, this mm -hmm. year. And actually, they're going to land two at once. They're going to land the boosters together because the center one, the main first stage, is it going to actually continue to push up further. So when they launch, they're going to use the boosters at higher thrust as opposed to the center main first stage. And then the main first stage will continue to push as the boosters come back to Earth. And then the first stage center rocket will come back on its own. And those are all going to land at this LZ-1, which is a uh, converted launch site at Cape Canaveral. I'm so looking forward to seeing that one go up, three come down. It's fantastic. It's oh, going to be great. Uh, let's talk about space poop. Are we ready to talk about space poop? Space poop. What this is, is from NPR. This is one that you sent to us. Poop. Just as an aside, uh, NASA has got this challenge that they're going to give $30,000 to the group that comes up with the best way to deal with in-suit waste management. Right now, when you go walking around outside the space shuttle, do 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 doing your thing, not that it's up there anymore, and you basically have to space wear a station. diaper. Space station. Yeah, so you're outside the space station. You're walking around. The alien is inside the space station. You're walking around trying to work out how to get rid of it. You basically wear a diaper. <laughs> you wear a diaper. That's true. And it's nasty. And they're yeah. trying to work out a so way where you can actually system. 
be outside walking around in your spacesuit for mm-hmm. six days of pooping. Well, now, that's the idea, isn't that you're outside the space station for six days? It's for like an, an emergency, an emergency situation. Alien. Like you pointed out, the alien is inside the space station, and you're like looking through the window, and every once in a while you look in there, and it's like, ah, and it comes up to the People's window. People's heads right? are being like ripped that. off. You're right, like, I'm right, gonna right, go right. back yeah. in there. But you're outside, and you're just crapping in your suit, and there's just you're like it's diapers. an anti-gravity situation. So like so you know you're peeing and pooping, and it's just floating all up in your business. Can can we be can we be clear about this? Yeah. It's it's not called a diaper. It's called a maximum absorbency garment. Yeah, no, they call it a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> so six days of waste they want you to be out of the uh-huh. suit. And I just just for talking Tesla. <laughs> you did not do I this. weighed This is fake this is fake news right here. I weighed my poop. You didn't. I'm I'm dropping sixty four pounds <laughs> in six days. Okay, I saw this note and I saw said to myself, where did he get this information from? So please explain. I just made it up, Tom. Oh, Let's it's not a, in these it's days not a scientific news, thing. Like in, I just thought it would be funny. 64 would be a funny number of poop. That's a lot of poop. It's, not even, it's, like funny. A, it's not even so in Tintinelli's or anything. I, I, thought said poop. I thought maybe 42 would be the number. Yeah, because it's life. So there you go. We'll follow this and see who wins and how they do it. No, they had a winner. Actually, no, they, they have a winner. They have a winner. This is the whole point of this. I you missed, missed, the, missed the winner thing. So I put the link to the winner. Go. There were three winners. Uh, the first guy, the guy that won, actually created what he – like used a medical thing he thought about laparoscopic surgery like he's all you can get a lot of stuff in a tiny hole valve surgeries right and heart valve so he put a little uh airlock in the buttock region of the thing okay and you can feed like a bedpan or something up in there fill it up, up and your, then up your buttocks and up then your you rectum? can get it back out the same tube yeah, no could you, you imagine attaching a vacuum cleaner right to your butthole Wow, okay, go on. That's basically <laughs> what they're talking about. So he got $30,000 for that one. There was yeah. another one that used these tubes of the own air that you were producing. And as you peed and it didn't – I don't think this one covered the poop. But as you peed right. and they wanted to cover menstruation because they have lady astronauts as well, that stuff got forced top to bottom behind you into a bigger tube and then sort of stored be- below, like in your leg. I have no idea how this works. There's pictures of all of these things on the other link, right? And It's then, a series of vacuum. And then there was source. an underpant one where the, the urine sort of got stored on the side. It was more of like a – he called it – he called it like a like a swimsuit kind of looking thing. It's got to be something that doesn't drive you crazy because if you consider traveling to Mars, which is going to take four to six months, right. if there's some kind of a breach in the hull or there's some kind of airlock problem and everybody's got to get into a suit and it's going to and some dude says, "Well, it's going to take me two weeks to fix this thing," you know. Everybody's right. going to live in a spacesuit for two weeks. You got to get food in. You got to yeah. get poop out. So they're looking for solutions so yeah. that we can have more long-term space travel. And that's what this 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 airlock thing. That way, the guy was like, psychologically, you got to get this stuff away from you. Like all the other two, really? number two and three, <laughs> number two, <laughs> number two and three, kind of stored it in your legs or or down somewhere else in the suit. So, like you said, at the end of six days, you could be walking around in sixty-four pounds of your own. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, you're weightless and you're up there in but, the atmosphere. But I don't know how this airlock, but he's like, you can get a lot of stuff. Like, if you can get a heart yeah. valve in a 
little tiny tube. He's like, you can surely get some poop out of a little tiny yeah, tube. So, so when you they open do, your airlock and you're just like, I don't know, shooting it out. Somewhere. When they do laparoscopic surgery, they'll take out someone's gallbladder. They'll actually put a the gallbladder, they'll kind of snip it with a, a special scissors that also has a stapler that staples where the bile and the fluids were going in and out of the gallbladder. Then they'll actually bang the gallbladder, stick a little osterizer, like a little spinning thing inside the bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turn it all into liquid and just suck it out the it's straw. Like a little magic bullet. How long is it going to be until they actually <laughs> give everybody a colectomy with an ostomy bag and a, the urine version equivalent of that? And uh, you just don't uh, in space. You mean in space? So part yeah, of going they to didn't space want is that to be here's a colostomy this. bag and here's your urine bag and you just change those. Oh, I can see that coming. Now we're just going to upload astronauts into an AI. And we're not even going to need to have human right. We're not even going to go anywhere. We're living in there. Look, let's do letters because we've already talked about the boring company. Let's do letters. Sven von der Lund. Nothing? Okay, it's, go on. That's, it's Westerlund. Um, he has a video here about um, refining oil because I talked about how much energy is in you know, electricity of cars versus uh, gas cars. And he said, you forgot to add up, Mel, that the fact that it takes a lot of electricity yeah. to refine oil as well. And you've got to add that to it. So it's a very interesting video, which I've put you in the show notes. You made another mistake, Mel? Never do I have ever made a mistake. <laughs> here comes another Chris, one. Chris, you ready for this one? Here it is. Chris, Omenauskunstkvi. Oh. Help me. Come Umi on. He says, look, this is a fantastically fun and energetic podcast. He can't be talking about us. <laughs> and told us to join the Facebook group Elonology. There's great discussions in there. I haven't been to it. Have you? Sounds you like been? there might he be also some asked, fun facts. asked you specifically for a Canadian accent, so a boot, do ha, it. How's it going, eh? I'm going to, eh, I'm going to do a accent for the whole and then it just you went scottish with, there it, it all goes scottish think, every time you got to think canadian things do like you have to say a boot a boot poutine yeah there you oh, go i got poutine on my boot <laughs> you're terrible in my toque. You're, that, you're that reminds me terrible you know a couple of weeks ago i went out with my wife for dinner and we we're in hollywood you went to stones did no. you go but there's the poutine restaurant. Is that Place what it was called? Amazing. It's on like smokes. Highland. It smokes poutine, right? It's not on Highland. It's on I- like Ivar, I believe. Okay. I couldn't believe it. We parked the car and it's in a mini mall. It is. And yeah. I'm walking around the corner to go to, I can't remember the restaurant. Oh, Umami Burger. Anyway, I looked at it and I was like, what? Poutinery? That sounds like Tom. Yeah. Wait. Oh and then a light God. went off and I knew my wife wouldn't eat it, so I didn't stop. Smokes is amazing. And actually, you would have done better than going to Umami, in my opinion. Really? What, what should I have gotten there? At Smokes? Yes. Just like straight classic poutine, which is just the fries, the curds, and the gravy. They, you, they'll put all sorts of meats and stuff in it. <sighs> but really what you want to do is sort of just... After a, a smallish meal of a yeah. salad or something, yeah. then just go head over there and have a poutine. Ooh. Like me and my daughter and one of her friends have shared them in the past. It's yeah. amazing. Amazing. Really. They do a good Maybe job. Maybe we should broadcast live from the poutinery. Okay. Yeah. That's the only that. one in Los Angeles. And tell me I wasn't excited when it opened. Wow. This Alan, is changing my life. <laughs> does does poutine come with uh, aspirin and a stent? <laughs> no, but if you have a spacesuit, you can just... Poop it you know, right get out. rid of it pretty quickly. <laughs> Alan Hill says, uh, Mel, you talked about gas versus coal-fired power plants and how clean is it compared to a gas car and at what point is it better to get a hybrid car versus running your electric car off really dirty coal. Yeah. So I did some more work on that and there's actually a number of sites you can go to where you can plug in the energy mix 
that you get for your electricity to determine whether it's better to get an electric car in terms of emissions versus getting a really high-mileage car. And for a lot of people, it turns out in the east, where they burn a lot of dirty coal, it's better to get a hybrid. You know, so you that's disagree. In, that's incorrect, based on the same website. So I posted a PDF here. The east is actually pretty good. The worst part of the country is kind of in the center part of the country. And according oh, to this PDF, 45% of Americans live in areas where the EV is the better choice. And 83% of Americans live in areas that unless the hybrid is getting over 41 to 50 miles per gallon, the EV is cleaner. And all of this assumes there's no renewables in the mix of stuff that you're getting. So if you're a person who has a solar plant in your neighborhood or whatever, obviously then it's even it's even better in that particular thing. So I posted the PDF. It's very, very fascinating. It's got a whole map. So you see the West Coast is, is, is in the better. Mm-hmm. And then there are parts like inside both of the coasts that, that are – they get the sort of – or no, the west, west and east coasts are best right. for the most part, except for down in the southern parts like where Florida is. And then in the very center of the country, it's still good. And the EVs have to be like 30, only 30 miles to the gallon for the for the hybrids to be cleaner. But it's, it's good. And this was a very interesting uh, thing. So thank you, Alan, for sharing that. So it, I used to say, and I was incorrect, that even uh, if you're in the dirtiest coal-fired power plant because of the efficiencies of electric motors and stuff, then just get an EV. But this is a good reminder that if you've got a really dirty power plant and that's where you get all of your energy from burning dirty coal, it might not actually be cleaner than getting a really high mileage right, and this is, or something. This is obviously taking into account like the, the doubling of the emissions, right? The, double, the coal emissions to produce the electricity versus the electricity, you know, but but again, I don't, and, I, and I'm hoping that this place did all of the, the mathematics, but what we just talked about earlier, right, is it takes a certain amount of electricity even to make petrol. So let's say you're in a dirty coal electrical place, and they're using dirty coal to run the refinery, right? right? You've got the dirty coal emissions, you've got the refinery emissions, right. and then you've got the tailpipe emissions. Compounded. I'm assuming all of this has been factored in to this very interesting thing on the U.S. UCSUSA.org, and we will post it, and you can see the map of the country. Very, very interesting. Thanks, Alan, for getting us on that path. The important thing is get some clean energy. So this guy, uh, Brian Hansen, sent a very nice letter to Tesla about uh, wanting a 100-kilowatt-hour battery and supercharging, and he wasn't angry that he got an answer that said no. He was angry that he got no, no. answer whatsoever. Right. Silence. In fact, and, and I talked about this on the last show Talking Tesla number 73. I don't know what time it was, but I read the letter that I got that was sort of the official internal Tesla statement. And I'm not sure why Tesla hadn't like actually just freaking published this thing. Uh, We did, or at least we talked about it. And it explains why it kind of sets this in stone. No one is getting a non-performance 100 kilowatt hour Model S or X with lifetime supercharging. It's done deal, and I feel feel your pain. Except for Elon's um, mom. No, she's not. She doesn't. He doesn't give any specials to kidding. anybody. Literally, it's I a mean, joke. everybody buys their own Teslas. Michael Ray has a note here that says, um, "Look, you talked about Tesla versus Tesla, and it turns out that Strobel says Tesla if you go back and look at the videos, and Elon says Tesla, so it's acceptable to go both ways." Do you think? Do you think the two of them, like in conference meeting rooms together? JB sits down and he's like, so today in Tesla and Elon goes today in Tesla and everybody's like, 
looks at the two of them like, oh my god, is Elon like? Do you think they have like, yeah, I'm thinking rock of sock them robots. I'm thinking kind of, of conversations about it. Austin or? Powers, <laughs> Tesla, 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 Tesla. Justin V says, stop talking too much politics, and Mel. I say, no, wrong, bad, all caps. <laughs> and, uh, Andrew Bauer says he can do silkscreen for us. And then I got Patrick from Vienna. Virginia, whose mum was born in Cairns, but I don't know what he said because apparently I edited off what he said. But thank you for the letter anyway, Patrick. Oopsie. Is that Virginia? Is that v- Vienna? Is that in Austria? Virginia? Vienna, Austria? Virginia. Virginia. Michael Pritchard has, uh, has a letter here that says Frank Access. And what does he say about Frank Access? He so he said what? he was talking something about he drives a Cadillac ELR and it has the high voltage cutoff in the trunk, which you can't access without the key. So we were talking about the fact that you can access the the frunk and the reason that that access point exists is for first responders to be able to cut the high voltage before they have can extricate you from the car. It's supposed to help make the car a little bit safer. Now, the one in the Cadillac, so I actually found yes. the GM ELR oh, first Tom. responder PDF and posted it in here. Amazing. I know, right? Woo-hoo. Pretty impressive, right? So you can go into this, and that one in the trunk, actually what it does is it cuts the 12-volt system, which then helps to reduce the power out. It kind of cuts the whole system off by doing that. My guess is if you were a first responder and you got to an ELR and you needed to get into the trunk, that's why you carry a crowbar. Oh. There you go. If you didn't have or the key, right? Jaws of life. And my guess is most of these first responders aren't going to be diddling around with those two little straps in your Tesla. They're just going to go at the front with a crowbar. They're just going to take an axe. And <laughs> bam! <laughs> Sorry, man. That was another nine thousand dollars. But damage. this, but this PDF, which we will post, has all of the no cut zones on the ELR. Um, Actually, so the, e, the the first responders are really amazing. They, these guys, they study this stuff. Yeah, they're like quiz each other on this stuff when i when i rode along in some ambulances there for a while back in the early days it was really cool that you know that's all they do they sit around yeah. they watch a lot of television uh they do a little working out they plan their meals and once in a while they actually put out a fire but when they're not they're doing a lot of like you know self-improvement actually that's an aside do you know what percentage of la's fire runs are actually fires is this like a dad uh, joke so five percent Less. That's incorrect. Two percent. It's fifteen percent. Oh, so eighty-five percent non-fire related calls. Is that because of all the pyro pyromaniac children? No, I think it's because that eighty-five percent of all of their calls are, calls are medical related or other sort of non. I called nine one one on the weekend. You did for what? So I'm going for a walk. Okay. And uh, there's this car, ice car, and it's running. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy in the front of the car slumped over. <laughs> did you get in front of him and try to? The car was already stopped. Okay. okay. But I'm walking. And I'm like, first of all, I walk by. I'm like, that's weird. And then there's that little Jiminy Cricket voice goes, go back. You You're a doctor. Like, so I go back. <laughs> and I look in there and do a little bit more of assessment. This guy is sweating profusely and he's slumped over and his car's running. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to wake this guy up. <laughs> Does and he have a pipe going He's going to reach for his gun and he's going to shoot me, but i got to do oh. the right thing. So I'm like, sir, are you okay? You okay? You okay? And he says, nothing. Nothing. I'm like, oh shit. So I start calling nine one one, and uh, but I'm really anxious because you know people when they wake up and this is I don't know what the hell's going on here, but I don't know if he's sick. So I start I call nine one one and I'm saying here's where I am and I'm about to open up this door and I'm going to try and wake this guy up and uh, you might have two people that'll be patients soon. <laughs> 
thankfully, I stuck my hand through the window because it was partially open. And now I'm worried he's got carbon monoxide toxicity. And I poked him like, hey, you okay? You okay? And he's like, fuck. And he wakes up. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. He drove off. And then the guy who's on 911 on the operator goes, uh, so it's not an emergency anymore. I'm like, uh, not for now, but if he's hammered, there's going to be a car accident <laughs> in about five minutes. Yeah. Oh. That was my so was, story. you think he was a drunk guy? I think probably what happened is he got hammered mm-hmm. and fell asleep in his car. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just saw him in the morning. With it later. on. With it, dr- with it running all night. Oh. I'm glad at the time you didn't feel like he had any chance of uh, being an unsafe driver. That happened in front of my house once. I called the uh, the police. They refused to come. Why? I don't know. They said call the the fire department. I called the fire department, and then the police. The guy was drunk. The police made the fire department sit there for like three hours before they showed up. They couldn't leave. The fire department couldn't leave, and the police wouldn't come. It was That's a pissing match. Great. All right, Diego's got a, a note here that says, "Mel, you said you might need a new car. How about you come <laughs> and buy my Toyota Matrix M Theory Edition? I love this car. It's fantastic, and it was built in the Numi plant." And you know what the Numi plant is, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Tesla. It's the Fremont factory. That's um, true. But I say, uh, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not using your 20-year-old car, Diego. I don't care how good it is. 07. 07 built is in when the, the Numi plant. They made the last one of the Toyota Matrix M3. It's it a should, little wagony looking thing. It should go in the Tesla Motors Museum. It's worth about seven grand. Why? It I, wasn't built no by Tesla. No one has yet created the Tesla Motors Museum. For what? Where does Tesla come from? Show the history, show the background, have some roadsters. All of the cars are still on the road. Ed Lopez has a letter, and it's all about how you get lots of referrals this so you is get free Ed. things. This is the Ed, the 94 referral this Ed. This is the guy, and he I, says he's how to help do us it, out. and I'm not going to tell you how you, to do it. I, I want to see what he wrote. I'm but not he telling said, you. I've had it's one. at the bottom of the, of the, of the oh, form. Oh, is it down there? I'm not telling everybody but, else. But, Ed, oh. if you're listening, my referral code is Laney9300. <laughs> so knock that shit out, buddy. <laughs> oh uh, James Curry gave me some feedback on that. Uh, it's L-A-I-N-I-9300. Aren't you kind of giving off some important information James Curry gave me some good feedback, but that was from a while ago. Wayne Conover. It's talking about the $7,500 rebate who also – it's like a 15-page thing that he said you're all stupid and we've been through it. Mr. Anderson, Brian Anderson, Mr. says the same thing. You're all idiots. The federal tax is much better this, rebates. All of these letters are assuming full-blown production, 100% focused in the U.S., and I think it's somewhere in the middle. So we could do this. Yes. We could have a secondary competition between the three of us. Oh, yes. How many Model 3s – will get the full tax credit, how many Model 3s will get the half tax credit, Mm. and how many Model 3s will get the quarter tax credit, this is good radio. I'm so sick of tax credits, (laughs) I could give a rat's. Cage Warner has an article here that goes over a number of things, but it really reminds me to ask Tom to ask that thing there what the stock price is right now. Hey, Google, what's Tesla's stock price today? As of 7.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time last Friday, Tesla is trading at $271.74 per share on NASDAQ after hours. There you go. Doug Young. Dougie is uh, a Dougie? dude. Dougie? Please don't call me Dougie's Dougie. from Sydney, mate. And uh, Dougie has a couple of things to say, but mostly he just has a beautiful picture of a Tesla Model S with the license plate SP90DL. Yeah. Beautiful. Tesla SP90D. And the plate's ludicrous black. Mode. On a, a nice black pl- Tesla 
I'd like to go Tesla. back to the cage letter, though, because his last question to us was, do you feel – this is an important question, I feel, so I didn't want to gloss over it. Do you feel the used Teslas on the site are really worth it? The math doesn't seem to work out when comparing the new cars to used cars. It seems the used car market should be at least 10000 cheaper to move more of the CPO cars. And I agree that I feel actually that the prices have gone up a little bit or even stayed stable. There's a lot more CPOs available, which leads me to believe a lot of people wanted to upgrade their cars and get the upgrade cars with the new supercharging. Although a ton of and, and the other thing is if some of these could be demos, although technically I don't think the demos belong on the CPO site, so I could be wrong about that. But what I think is happening is now there's a Tesla's able to charge a premium for these cars because now they all include free supercharging. So something they knew they added to the CPO site in the top left corner of each of the listings on the boxes is a little free supercharging logo. And as these cars go away, right, then the new cars that come up potentially, you know, in a year or two, there won't be any CPOs with free supercharging. So if that's important to you, that's an additional sort of benefit to buying. So the, let me let me summarize that again. Let's see if that's true. So you're saying you go to the CPO site and it'll tell you if it's got free supercharging for life. For Correct. That car. Up on the top left corner. <gasps> oh, it, it, okay. Now that's a new indicator that didn't exist before they took away free supercharging for life. Joe Willett says, "Look, I like the show. It's really great. But uh, here's a problem. Every few minutes, get that. Every few minutes, he goes, huh? Come on, guys. There's an error." We're, we're full of errors. We're full of fake news. For example, he said last week, Robert said that the new app has valet mode, suggesting that the old app didn't have valet mode, but it did have valet mode. So he's just saying, dudes, you're fake news. You're wrong. All caps. And what I say to that is sometimes we just don't want to hurt Robert's feelings. I mean, it doesn't happen very often because we're really always Had you ever used that? For a chance. I knew that it was there. You did? I never used yeah, it. Yeah, I knew it was I, there. Wow. I just thought you most spoke. But and for no, me, I, I don't have. drive the S very often, and I never park in valet, so it's really just not a big issue for me. I never went uh, to that corner. I, I mean, I saw that it was there, but I never, I never pushed that many buttons. Matt Claremont has a letter. Tom, can you answer this letter? So he sent a letter about this app called the Test Lab app, and I was yeah. waiting out in front of a restaurant getting some food to bring home one evening. And no when, I, when I saw this, no, it no. Wasn't, wasn't any poutine. I'm not even going to say what it was because I'm not super proud of it. Um, and <laughs> so I looked on their website. I went to their website. I tried to find this app. It's called Test Lab. Yeah, it's not on the App Store. It's not in the App Store. I sent them my email. I was assuming I would get a like, hey, check out this beta. So it's in beta version, this app. I still haven't gotten a sign up. I looked in my junk mail. It still hasn't come through. So when it does, it does. But don't spend, here, Tesla Nation, don't spend 25, 30 minutes going back and forth to the lab, to the app, to the thing. Just give them your email address if you want to try out this app. It looks like it has a lot of cool features. It's sort of a... It's crowdsourcing a lot of information is kind of what it's doing. The, the, they talk about all of the data that they're gathering on their website. Just give them your email and wait and see if you get an email back from them, which will give you a link to the beta version of their app. I mean, that's really all you can do at this point. But it is it is kind of cool uh, website, and that's what I know. John Rein, Reinert. John Reinert uh, got a whole thing here about superchargers and Mel's rants, and he wanted to say a number of things, but let me try and summarize it this way. First of all, he says, people, stop being dicks. Use the Tesla superchargers for long-distance driving. Stop doing this other crap that people have been doing. Go to the Homos Association and tell them to put in 240-volt chargers, and let's do the right thing. And he says he also finds himself screaming at us about these ICE vehicles and how they should all go away. 
I wanted to use this to remind me about what happened when the power went out mm-hmm. and the thing that my son and I were discussing. So the power went out. Couldn't charge my car. Mm. Bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. But it was just local. It was just sort of right around here, around the school. So I took my car and I drove it down to the bank. Mm-hmm. And I plugged it in because they have a 240-volt charger down there. And I plugged it in and I charged it up. And then I brought my car back. Then I started using my Tesla as battery backup. So I have a number of different dongles and stuff. So I took out my iPad. I took out the phones. And I just started charging them off with a 90-kilowatt-hour battery. Mm-hmm. And then I thought to myself, actually, my son brought up. So like, why don't they just put in a standard wall outlet in this car so that you could actually use it as battery backup much more easily? And I'm like, Tesla? How about you do that? Put a standard, uh, in the United States, 140-volt power outlet, three-prong thing so that when the power goes out, I can just plug some stuff into my car directly. Isn't there a cigarette? There is, and I actually have a plug. So you can plug an inverter into that. But that one is not actually very efficient. You can't get a lot of volts through that thing. You can't get a lot of amps through that thing, yeah. But guess what? When you charge your car off the USB ports and you use the cigarette lighter, you're actually using the 12-volt battery, the little... 12 volt really? battery. Oh. You are not so using L- the massive battery pack. And that will uh, make your car not able to start. Oh, that's drain upsetting because that I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to get Does the big battery, will the big battery cycle up that 12 volt in that situation? Ah. I'm not clear about that because it's obviously got to get energy from somewhere. And I'm not sure if it gets charged with the bleed off of your regenerated braking mm-hmm. or if it actually comes from the large battery pack. But Tesla in prior communications was very clear that you cannot like run equipment. They do sell a tire refill kit if you look on the Tesla Motors website so that if you get a flat tire, you basically use a can of this, you know, spray rubbery stuff. You put it in the tire and then you have this little uh, air pump that you connect to the tire has a pressure monitor on it and you plug it into the cigarette lighter but that's about all the equipment they ever talk about you using from the cigarette lighter because it's running off a very small capacity 12 volt battery and that same system exists in the volt that existed in the rav4 where you had a little pump built into it and it came with a little bit of foam to right. f- fix those flats because it is they don't give you spare tires right. because it's some extra weight yeah no more spare tires in cars well that's upsetting or um, our cars. my idea about getting a uh, standard wall outlet in the tesla is not going to happen it would have been so funny if you would have been in there charging all of your devices and drove that 12 volt down and then when the car wouldn't start and you had to call tesla to come give you a jump so you might remember when there was the uh the round the world race slash trip of all the electric vehicles and i was in oxnard and this german and italian team came and i'm trying to remember the guy's name i can't the german engineer who created a converter so you could use an american supercharger plug it into this gray box and then he had the the european uh plug on the other end, so that basically he could drive a European car here in the United States. You know, that would be a thing for someone like that. Can you plug something in to the supercharger port and have a plug on a box? Use a converter. It's going to need to use some sort of a communications standard to allow the car to output through the plug. But I don't know if it actually goes in that direction. It might be limited. My guess is that Tesla would stop that very, very quickly, especially on cars with free supercharging. Right. But come on, in the future, as part of smart grid technology, this is what we always talk about as these cars with huge amounts of battery capacity being able to feed back into the grid or into your car. Come on, Tesla, let's make this happen. Maybe that is part of the reason 
that they've made supercharging, you have to pay for it. So now there's no reason that you would take your Tesla, run it over the supercharger, fill it up with three days worth of electricity, bring it back, run your house, just cut your cables to the power company and use your car as this long-term battery, right? If you don't need electricity in your house when you're gone, why have electricity in your house? I mean, I understand you have a refrigerator, maybe a little power wall could handle that, but if you could just use your car for everything, for all your real electricity needs, right? When you're home and you need to heat your house, you need to heat your water, you need to cook your food. If you did that all for electricity and you used your car, you know, if you kept your car 100% or at least 90% charged, you could really run your house off your car. So I could go and buy the cheapest Model S, mm-hmm. 60, some used Oh, it's not going to make thing, money sense. And then just throw it in you know use it in the back in the back as my my sort of little power plant and i'll just drive it to the burbank supercharger you know every other day to yeah. fill it up that's like the 50 mile walk for the water right it's right. sort of silly no but, but as I mean, backup as a backup thing it would be so good it's not something you can do all the time and even if you're buying from a from tesla and it's expensive i'm not gonna do it every day i'm just like when the power goes out how cool i've got a night i had 180 kilowatt hours of battery sitting over there i'm like boy i'd like to be able to access some of that but you know what else you had you had solar power on your roof that you they won't let you use right. off grid that's the more that's important crazy. thing to and work that's on that's why right? i want to get a tesla power wall at the new studio because if that happens again i want to be able to run the studio off the tesla power wall so let's imagine this. Tesla starts or is now charging. Is it are they starting to charge for supercharger use? We're not quite at that point yet, although uh, cars yeah. are being delivered without free supercharging. Yeah, I think we they're are. gonna have a period of time where they're gonna be using their four hundred kilowatts, or is it a thousand kilowatts? Thousand kilowatts? Four hundred kilowatt hours. Kilowatt hours. Okay, so it's like a thousand miles. So anyway, there's gonna be a period of bleed in where people are gonna be using a Tesla supercharger with a new Tesla without supercharger for life. But come a couple months from now, people are going to have to start paying for supercharger. And going forward, what if Tesla comes out with a device, you plug into your port, you can plug your house into it, and they say, look, if you have supercharger for life and you want to have this accessory and you want to use it, you cannot run back and forth to the supercharger. We know where you are. We know what you're doing, and we will cut you off. Otherwise, you can use your Tesla as a battery backup for your house. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you. That is fantastic idea. One last thing. Um, new studio. Uh, we were in escrow for a new studio. I'm Woo-hoo. very excited about it. But it needs a new roof. Uh, it doesn't need a new roof immediately, but it does need a new roof. Guess what I'm going to start talking about? I think you should call Gordon. The Tesla solar roof. I want to put a Tesla solar roof on the new studio because it needs a new roof anyway. And some power packs. It's going to be exciting. But now I'm asking the question, when are they due? And the last thing I found about when are these things, supposedly halfway through this year. So maybe July they're going to start production in the Buffalo plant. We'll see. And lastly, Tom, what do you want to say? Come on. Well, I wanted to talk about the supercharging and how it pertains to the new cars because, you know, they've all, we talked about this a little bit in the past, but I don't know if they've changed the mathematics on the thing. When you buy a Tesla, you, you get a certain amount of savings, what they call it for gas, and that assumes like 10% of supercharging. Mm -hmm. And now that they've limited that supercharging to 400 kilowatt hours, which equals, like you said, a thousand miles, my assumption is that most people are driving more than 10,000 miles, so that's less than the 10% of supercharging that, or more than the supercharging that they talked about before. So is there new math? There is nothing currently on the website where you can pay for additional supercharging uh, ahead of time. 
Right. That's not part of the the thing yet, and I don't know that they've changed the math on the savings because you now have reduced amount of supercharging. Okay. That's free. So just wanted to throw that in there, and I apologize for derailing your solar thing. The real question for you is, cost-wise, is it going to matter? Like, are you going to do the math at all based on cost of that versus the cost of traditional solar you know, how much is it going to have to be for you to do it? Obviously, because you have this show and there's a certain amount of cost that you're incurring to make this show, there's a little bit of a tax uh, sort of incentive there. You can be like, I did it as part of the show. Um, we have no idea. I'm just trying to find out right now. We have no idea when these are going to come out. They were saying mid-year. We have no idea the cost, although Elon said it's going to cost less than a standard roof, but that's taking into account the reduction in the amount of power you use. So I'm... Uh, wait, I need some numbers. And that's the more expensive standard roof, like if you were going to put tiles on it, right? If you were going to re, if that roof currently is an asphalt roof, this is something else that you have to consider, right? If that roof is currently an asphalt roof and not a tile roof, you're going to have to shore that roof up for a certain amount of cost to be able to take the extra weight of the solar roof tiles. So, how, at what level will subscribers have to be at the Patreon? website to be able to come and have a tour of the studio with the Tesla roof, the Tesla power pack, I'm sorry, power wall. Never. And never? No, no there's a number. Come. There's a number. So okay. they get to yeah, see the solar roof. They get to see the power pack. They get to drive in the Tesla and Tom takes them down to have no. poutine. Ooh. And uh, Robert Ooh. does uh, their annual rectal exam. That's what? all going to be part of a <laughs> special why are, package. Why are we the only two that have to socially interact with these people? you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be talking to these people. Uh, we'll come up with a number. Cease and yeah. I'll crunch the numbers. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you remember how a few weeks ago I spoke to – oh, Robert has one more – just one more thing. <laughs> so did you hear what the little boy said to his dad? No, I didn't, Robert. Daddy, I'm hungry. Do you know what the dad said? No. Hi, hungry. I'm dad. Oh, my God. You know how a few weeks ago I spoke to uh, Fossil Fuels? Fossil Fuels would like to speak back. Patreon got it early, but this one has to be released to everybody because it's so good. <laughs> Fossil Fuels talks to Tesla. Dear Patreon subscribers, apparently Mel says F you. And on that note, we'll talk to you next week. Herbert out. Adios. Hello, you puny, ungrateful little biological blips. We fossil fuels have had about all we can take of your whiny, thankless drivel. It's time to stop our dependence on crude oil. Bunch of f***ing Nancys. Well, I am crude, and I don't apologise. You should apologise to me and my associates, cold, natural gas. We've made you rich beyond your wildest dreams. We've given you progress. Your very existence is owed to us. Take coal here. You think your industrial revolution would have been anything to write home about without coal to make all that steam? I don't think so. Or maybe you would have preferred to cut down all your f***ing trees, you bloody tree-hugging hypocrites. Coal makes steel, too. All right, let me do the talking. There's no need to get in there. And right now, guess who's the new drug of choice? Natural gas. That's right. You really want to cut off that natural high again? As for me, I've got one word for you. Just one word. Plastics. You're addicted to f***ing plastics. Where do you think that comes from? You ain't getting it from maize. 
You can call me corn, everyone in the Shut US. Up. You're getting it from me. Bugger you. Don't ever f***ing clue where your world comes from or who's responsible for making the world that you live in. So here's our message for you. We'll quit you before you quit us. Cool. Oh, you got to stop that guttural noise every time I start making my point. It's, it's really not helping at all. Cool. It makes everything dirty as it all up. Your money is dirty. Talking Tesla is a production of Fooly Boo Incorporated. Produced by Mel Herbert and CC Herbert. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenblum. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash talking Tesla. And finally, if you love the show, write us a review on iTunes.